Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today we're going to talk about your heart. It is Heart Healthy Month, the month of February, not just about Valentine's and love and emotions, but the very real uh, reality that heart disease is the number one killer of men and women, not just in Utah, but in the country and most likely around the world, too. So joining us in studio today is a cardiologist, electrophysiologist. Is that a correct definition of some of your expertise? Uh, uh, yes, yes, Rebecca. This is uh, that's the subspecialty of heart rhythm disorders. Okay, Doctor Ben Steinberg, and so glad to have you in studio. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. So I, I, you know, I mentioned the big scary fact at the beginning, and I think the reason why I like to do that is because I want a sobering moment for because be, depending on the advocacy that other health issues have out there, we may think, well, I, I'm at greater risk of this, but it's really within us, our heart that uh, we need to be centered and focused on in terms of, of the greatest risk to our health. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Cardiovascular disease, uh, as you mentioned, is uh, the number one uh, health hazard among among Americans overall uh, and encompasses a broad range of topics. Uh, so it may uh, may affect uh, anyone in, in different ways, but, uh, but overall it is uh, the, the number one uh, health hazard. So uh, when we say heart disease, can you right. describe a little bit about what that encompasses? Yeah, that's that's a great question because I think um, it often is is a all encompassing term uh, that people group a, a variety of disorders in. So the term cardiovascular disease, for example, can include stroke, uh, which is a vascular vascular problem of the brain. Uh, it can include things like obstruction of the arteries in the legs, uh, vascular disease of the legs. Uh, when we narrow it down to really heart disease, I think most people associate that term with heart attacks or occlusions of the plumbing of the heart that, that causes damage to the muscle of the heart. But we also see, uh, you know, patients with a variety of heart valve disorders that are unrelated to the plumbing. We see, uh, I see specifically patients with electrical abnormalities of the heart, uh, abnormal heart rhythms, uh, and then patients with uh, heart failure or weakness of the heart, which may be due to prior heart attacks or may be due to other reasons that the heart has become weak uh, and had difficulty pumping. Um, that's just a, a sampling, uh, really, of the the broad array uh, of heart disorders that we deal with. I'm really glad that you gave us that broad array uh, because throughout the month, we have been in partnership with the University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center, sending messages about what we need to learn about our heart. Right. Because as you mentioned, most of us are familiar with heart attack. We've seen that on episodes of television all our lives. Somebody's clutching their chest, the pain in right. their arm. And that's what we've been educated on. We really have not had the opportunity to learn that there is so much more of our heart. I'd like to think of it, and can you correct me? I'd like to think of it as, a, as an engine. And, right. and so you're talking about the electrical system. It's got a pump all the way from one part of the body down and right. up and around with clear pathways to keep that engine running. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And that, you raise a, a few great points there. I think the first is that... Um, 
the uh, the public has been very well aware of heart attack and potential signs for the, the most common signs for heart attack, uh, and uh, that is still a huge, huge health problem. Uh, but we've also made incredible strides in caring for patients with heart attack, and that has actually opened the door to uh, kind of an increase in, in other uh, cardiac problems because people are no longer dying as frequently from heart attacks. Uh, so we're encountering patients with heart failure and other abnormal heart rhythm disorders that we might not have seen uh, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago uh, when we weren't as adept at, at treating uh, treating patients with heart attacks. So that adeptness, that mm-hmm. ability, the efficiency we now have to treat someone suffering a heart attack, is that because the research has shown that we need to treat them quick, more quickly. We now know what we need to do, when we need to do it, right. and, and go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, in and this varies geographically, but I think in the most successful areas, it's a combination of the public being more aware. Uh, it's a partnership with EMS services to provide um, uh, quick and di- uh, accurate diagnostics at the scene and partnering with uh, medical centers to treat those patients efficiently. Uh, decades of research not only showed that time matters when it comes to a heart attack and when it comes to a stroke, uh, but that the timing of the intervention for heart attack can have a dramatic uh, impact. Uh, and so uh, I think you're... Uh, Leading into your your analogy of the engine, uh, my plumbing uh, compatriots who open arteries and uh, treat patients with heart attacks um, uh, put in stents and can salvage lots of muscle at that point. Um, so, and so a that's heart attack a, is good. what, Doctor Ben Steinberg? By the way, who's who who has joined us? Thank you. Yes, yeah, sorry, that's a great question. Uh, we should back up and say that, as you alluded to, the heart uh, is an engine uh, that pumps, and that engine uh, needs fuel for itself. And so, a heart attack is a uh, relative the acute obstruction or blockage of the heart's own fuel lines. Uh, So the heart provides blood to the rest of the body, but it needs its own blood uh, to continue functioning. Uh, And so a heart attack is when the fuel lines to the heart itself uh, get blocked. All right. But your expertise, you mentioned, is in the electrical side Correct. of the heart. And this is the area that I am going to say, OK, I probably have a C minus education in this. <laughs> so the heart itself is an electrical muscle. So that's a great question. And getting back to the engine uh, paradigm uh, for those mechanics out there, there's a distributor cap that controls the pistons and the electrical activity of an engine. Uh, the heart has its own uh, distribution system that controls uh, how fast it beats and uh, how frequently or how regularly it beats. Uh, so for those people that go out and exercise, they know the heart goes up appropriately to compensate for the extra activity. Uh, when we see our um, the, uh, the subject of our affection, our heart rates go up. Um, when we get scared, our heart rates go up. When we sleep, our heart rates go down. And that is the result of complex interaction between the nerves and the brain and the, and the electrical system It's all of the heart. signaling to the heart exactly. what it needs to do to be able to take care of the body's needs at that time. Exactly. Interesting. Wow. So we find people that are born with congenital defects or problems with their electrical system. Where do you, at what point in someone's life do you normally encounter someone with, is it's a that, Yeah, that, that's on? a great mm-hmm. question. Um, and in cardiovascular disease, uh, we tend to run the gamut. There are a number of disorders that really are caught very early on uh, in childhood. Um, very significant structural defects, very significant abnormal heart rhythms are often caught very early. Uh, on the 
uh, on the other end of the spectrum, there are uh, defects that people can be born with that don't manifest problems until later in life. Um, and then much more commonly, you know, I see patients that have had either degenerative changes or they've uh, manifest disease uh, over their lifetimes. So, it really so in other words, the, the heart at, as a muscle can be weakened through different uh, struggles, diseases, etc. And then its electrical system will no longer function as it should. Well, that's, yeah, that's one paradigm. Okay. That's correct. Okay. We also see primary uh, defects of the electrical system or abnormal uh, rhythms. Uh, and so uh, some of the most common disorders I see and, and what I talk to patients about are uh, on the end of hearts going too slow and hearts going too fast. Uh, on the slow end, I like to use the analogy of a of an older home. Uh, as your home ages, as it gets into the 50, 60, 70, 80-year-old home range, uh, the electrical system in that house, the wires can get a little frayed for whatever reason. Um, you'll have shorts. You'll have uh, breakers. Um, the heart's electrical system uh, also undergoes degenerative changes, and so I'll see patients whose hearts are going too slow that need pacemakers. On the other end of the spectrum, um, the most common uh, sustained heart rhythm abnormality we see is something called atrial fibrillation, which I imagine a lot of your listeners are familiar with. Uh, it's the most common abnormal heart rhythm that we deal with, um, and it's the result usually of a complex interaction of risk factors like high blood pressure or other heart diseases or sleep apnea or diabetes and a variety of uh, different disorders that really work in combination uh, to lead to atrial fibrillation. And so we use a variety of treatments for those types of patients. For those who just joined us, uh, we are talking in depth about the health of your heart. Joining us in studio is Dr. Ben Steinberg. He's a cardiologist with University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center. And so this is some sobering information. This is not for you to punch out and go, it's kind of scary to be talking about the heart. What this information is to do is to help you Feel like you know a little bit more about it so that you can be then empowered to get the checkups you need, to know what risks you are at. So can we start from just a point? How would someone be diagnosed with either AFib or another one of these steps? Because I keep thinking of a young child sitting on a patient table in a doctor's office and that doctor putting the stethoscope on and putting that stethoscope on his or her chest or the same with an adult during right. a physical. Is that one of the things doctors are looking at when they're listening with the stethoscope? Yeah, so there are, there are a few different manifestations. Mm -hmm. The physical exam obviously is very important uh, in terms of diagnosis of cardiac abnormalities. Uh, the stethoscope is used to listen to the heart sounds. Um, most commonly, we're listening to the sounds of the valves in the heart. The open um, and closing? Exactly, okay. the opening and closing. And so uh, many of your listeners have probably heard the term of a heart murmur. Um, the heart murmur simply means an, an extra sound that uh, that we don't necessarily always hear. That doesn't mean that it's causing disease or necessarily means an abnormality in the heart. It just means an extra sound. Very commonly, at least also, particularly in young people, it's simply a murmur of exuberant flow or a hyperdynamic heart that's uh, very healthy and pumping well. The muscles are tight and strong. Exactly. And, okay. and, and they're pumping flow with, uh, with uh, vigor. Um, alternatively, uh, murmurs may mean in, uh, an obstruction or a leakage in one of the valves. Um, and believe it or not, that's not always serious either, but it can be. And so listening for those types of defects is one way to detect uh, a, a heart abnormality. Um, from the standpoint of heart rhythm disorders, um, our, uh, in addition to listening, uh, we often use the electrocardiogram. 
uh, is really the measure of the electrical uh, the the electrical e- activity. EKG. Of heart. EKG, exactly. ECG or EKG, uh, which many of you have probably heard about. Um, that essentially is our diagnostic test for what rhythm is the heart in currently. Uh, and it can tell us some other things about the structure of the heart. Um, and so I frequently see patients in my clinic who uh, have palpitations. They, have, uh, they feel their heart beating. They could actually um, literally feel that. So their first symptom might be feeling like it, their heart is still pounding and they're in a resting state. Exactly. Okay. And, and to be perfectly honest, um, for many patients, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean their heart's in an abnormal rhythm or doing something abnormally. For some of us that you know lay in bed at night uh, struggling to get to sleep... They may feel their heart pounding, uh, more accentuated. Their mind's not uh, not on anything else, and and they're not distracted, and so they're more attuned to what's going on with their body. Alternately, there are patients that feel palpitations, and at that time, their heart may be in an abnormal heart rhythm. And so, it's our job uh, to try to distinguish, you know, those palpitations which are um, heightened awareness, if you will, on one end of the spectrum, and at the very end of the other end of the spectrum, um, could be a, a dangerous heart rhythm uh, and everything in between. All right. So now we were just. Describing a scenario that someone who is interested in preventing heart disease or identifying it as early as possible for treatment, number one, you're going to have those preventative appointments or the the appointments with your general practitioner to make sure everything is okay. Number two, if you are feeling some type of an, um, a difference in your heart, uh, that's when you're going to be seeking out an expert in that area. Someone like you with electrophysiology, is that the correct? Idea? Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's the term. That's a okay. fancy word for the heart rhythm doctor. Um, And then you would administer the EKG? Yes. So uh, the EKG, uh, as your listeners are probably familiar, can be done in any number of settings. So urgent care centers often will do an EKG. The ER will definitely have the capability to do an EKG. We do them routinely in our clinic. Um, Many many primary care doctors will also do an EKG. Um, It is a test that that we learn how to interpret in medical school, but we are always learning how to interpret. And so um, it ranges from a very simple interpretation to more complex heart. heart rhythm disorders. Um, Can you simply uh, explain what we're looking at? Because I remember seeing, I've had an EKG before, right? I had some kind of a a long-term health issue. The doctor said, let's run an EKG, make sure everything's okay. I never got to see the results, but I've seen, it it almost looks like you've got these electronic gauges kind of going up and down. What is it? Taking a picture, what is it mapping? That's a great question. And so uh, at the very basic level, the EKG is measuring electrical activity of the heart. And it, we typically do it uh, really in 12 different directions, but uh, each direction is interpreted the same way. And essentially what we're looking at is electrical activity of the heart. And those wavy lines uh, indicate what's going on in the top part of the heart and what's going on in the bottom part of the heart. In other words, how fast is the top part of the heart beating? Is the signal getting to the the bottom part of the heart and how fast is the bottom part of the heart beating? Mm-hmm. How long are that are those signals taking uh, to go from A to B? Um, are they getting there consistently and regularly? Um, are they going fast enough but not too fast? Um, and then some of the signals can give us some insights into the structure of the heart, um, but that in some ways is subject to interpretation as well. But in, in essence, the lines you're looking at really are the electrical activity of the heart. Um, not terribly dissimilar to um, uh, sound waves to interpret or, or any, any other um, analog signal that you would look at. So if you see something irregular on an EKG, and many of us, especially as we started the interview with the sobering fact that heart disease is the number one cause of death 
for men and women in the country, in the state of Utah. Heart disease encompasses much more than heart attacks, pulmonary embolism, strokes, anything that has to do with the entire cardiovascular system, right? Right. So it, many of us have probably had an EKG. Right. So what happens next if you see something that looks concerning? Yeah, so the EKG has been the primary tool of preliminary diagnosis for heart attack. Um, it is... Um, Often definitive, but not always, and can indicate that the heart does not have enough blood based on the shapes of the lines. Okay. Um, so that's the often the most um, common reason patients get an EKG. However, the EKG is also the definitive diagnostic test for what rhythm the heart is in. In other words, is it going too fast? Is it going too slow? Uh, and from there, we can uh, look into why it may be out of rhythm and what to do about it at that point. The EKG can also give hints into other potential um, abnormalities that would require further workup. Uh, so rarely we can see things like pulmonary embolism uh, manifest in some ways that are not diagnostic but suggestive on EKG. Uh, and are so MRIs an, ever used as a follow-up to an EKG? Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. question. Um, the University of Utah actually has a magnificent cardiac MRI center where we uh, have really... Um, done some of the leading research in cardiac MRI for a variety of disorders. Um, The MRI for the heart really has been the go-to tool for looking at scar within the heart muscle um, or other kind of infiltration within the walls of the heart. Um, In addition, it can give us great information about the structure of the heart as well. So it's, uh, it's really come about and come kind of come into its own in the last decade or two um, and nicely complements the other very routine test we do on the heart, which is called the echocardiogram, uh, which uh, I like to refer as basically as the sonogram uh, of your of your uh, baby, but only for the heart. And so it's an ultrasound that we use for the heart. Uh, and that's the other very common test. So those tools allow you as a cardiologist to actually view the inside of and the mechanism of the heart without invasively cutting in to exactly. the chest of that patient. Exactly. Um, for those of you, he mentioned, Dr. Ben Steinberg mentioned uh, the University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center and its leading cardio MRI program. If you have any other follow-up questions about cardiovascular health and the type of services that are there, let me give you the website. I'll give it to you again in a few more minutes, but it's Health. Dot O-R-G. That's heart.uofuhealth.org. There is a lot of information on there, too, in general, as we try to, to learn more about our heart health. So those are some of the leading tools. Um, um, I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to learn about some of the other innovations because your expertise is on the electrical system of the heart. Um, when someone gets the diagnosis that the heart is not functioning the way it should, it can be very scary Absolutely. for all of us. But you found that there have been some recent um, developments that have really given some hope for the long-term health of the heart. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, we're fortunate. I'm fortunate to work in a field that is rapidly evolving uh, and is in part tied to the rapid evolution of computer technologies. And so in heart rhythm disorders, um, we deal with slow rhythms using pacemakers, which are essentially small computers, 
uh, that keep the heart from going too slow. Uh, and just like your cell phone has gotten smaller, so too have pacemakers. So one of the more one of the most exciting developments in the last couple of years for pacemakers has been uh, this uh, novel leadless pacemaker, which is essentially uh, a pacemaker smaller than the size of a USB key, if you will, uh, that we can implant in the heart with no wires and no incision under the skin. Wow, um, that's incredibly exciting uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and for many patients. And so that's something we offer at the university. Which means that for a patient, the surgery is, is shorter. The recovery is shorter. Right. right. The and less- it's, yeah. And it mm-hmm. uh, and obviates some of the uh, what can be some challenges with wires that we use for traditional pacemakers. Uh, it's not for everybody, but it is represents really a revolution in our field and where we hope the next generation of pacemakers will go. Uh, just um, touching on some of the other technological advances, you know, um, the advances in technology have really allowed us to perform really kind of precise uh, ablation procedures for heart rhythm disorders as well. And what that entails are really minimally invasive catheter-based procedures where we can put wires uh, up through the blood vessels in the groin uh, into the heart and map different locations of the heart with really pinpoint accuracy um, down to millimeters based on computer technology of mapping where those wires are from outside the heart. So you're using the existing freeway system that the body already has. Exactly. Right? And then just putting that teeny catheter up until until it reaches the location in the heart that you need to image. Exactly. And we can use very sophisticated uh, computer systems that really function um, in some ways as a GPS and in some ways as uh, tracking beacons to know exactly where in the heart our catheters are without having to cut open uh, any hearts and without having to, you know, without being able to look inside. Uh, in addition, the latest catheters can tell us how hard the catheters are pushing on the tissue. They can give us feedback on temperature. They can give us all kinds of details so that we can improve both the safety and the effectiveness uh, of procedures for heart rhythm disorders. Now, for those who've never undergone a um a traditional cardiothoracic surgery where they have to cut through the rib bones and open things up. It is quite, um, quite challenging. I had a young son of mine who we had to go through and remove the breastplate and the recovery was long and arduous. And, and yet that was what needed to be done in his case. But to be able to, to bypass that, to be able to go right through the arteries and the vessels of the body to me is just outstanding. What a difference that would make for that patient right. on his or her feet within hours of surgery. Exactly. And and that's been true not just in the heart rhythm disorder field, but some of your listeners may be familiar with the newest heart valves, uh, which my, again, my colleagues, the plumbers, uh, the heart plumbers at the University of Utah um, are able to implant valves through those same vessels. Uh, Synthetic in the heart. valves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that's been another very exciting development in the last really five, not even more than five years uh, here, uh, where we're able to, for some valves and some patients uh, to replace their valves without doing open heart surgery. Now, um, that's often done in conjunction with a cardiac surgeon. Uh, our cardiac surgery colleagues are phenomenal, uh, and we certainly, there are cases where uh, where open heart surgery really is the best option, but for some patients, a minimally invasive approach uh, can be, can be uh, very beneficial. For those who just joined us, this is Dr. Ben Steinberg. He is with University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center, a cardiologist. Before I let you go, we have just a couple of minutes together. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of different type of heart specialists. So yeah. when we reach out to, and I'll, I'll share that website for you again, for those who are looking for more information about your heart health, which by the way, every one of us should know our blood pressure. We should know our cholesterol numbers. We should know our heart risks based on our lifestyle. We should right. have frank conversations. But what are the type of uh, heart specialists that we go to? 
That's a that's a great question. And as is as the fields have gotten more complicated, so too is the training and the subspecialization. Um, in general, uh, we we uh, subcategorize into physicians that specialize generally in cardiology or non-surgical cardiology, uh, and then cardiac surgeons. Okay, um, so most patients will first see a, um, a non-invasive cardiologist or a general cardiologist. Uh, that means we trained in, in adult medicine and then general cardiology. As subspecialists in those, those are uh, people like me that subspecialize in heart rhythm disorders and then uh, other specialists that may uh, do um, uh, structural or valve disease uh, and uh, and stents and that sort of thing. Uh, And even though we do procedures, uh, we are generally not classified as cardiac surgeons. Um, So on the other end of the spectrum is the cardiac surgeons who perform uh, the open heart surgeries, uh, the bypass surgeries, the valve surgeries that require uh, open heart. Uh, as well as some of the some of the minimally invasive. Um, so, generally speaking, uh, it's uh, the medically trained cardiologists and our subspecialists, and then our compatriots in the, in the, on the surgical side. And I, and I mentioned your front line is your general practitioner. Correct. And then after that, if you do have a heart issue, it's always so important to go to the experts because you are the most recently trained with the most innovative treatments to help us get the best care. One thing I read on the website was just so to keep your heart as healthy as possible because that leads to not only prolonged life, but a better quality of life. And we want both of exactly. those. Both of those. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Ben Steinberg with the University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center. For more information about your heart, what to, how to prevent heart disease, how to recognize the symptoms of heart disease, how to find an expert in the field that you will need, you can go online to heart.uofuhealth.org. A special thank you to the University of Utah Healthcare's Cardiovascular Center for joining us this month for Heart Healthy Tips with FM 100.3.